Hello, survivalists. How are you guys doing? Well, I'm great. Good. This is The Crux, and I'm Casey McIntosh, your host, joined by my much-loved and wonderful sister, Tessa King, and don't you forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we will be telling the story and legend of Anna Bangenholm. Anna was a 29-year-old medical student who was skiing after work, something she did often when she crashed on her skis, plummeting into an ice-covered stream and was stuck there for 80 minutes before a rescue. When she survived, her story reframed the medical community's understanding of hypothermia and the medical uses for cooling patients intentionally. Anna Bangenholm was born in 1970 in Venisborg, Sweden. At the time of the story, she was 29 and was studying to become an orthopedic surgeon. She started her residency in Narvik, Norway, and in 1998 became a surgical assistant. On May 20th, Bangenholm went skiing after work with her colleagues, Marie Falkensberg and Torvind Nashim. This was a common activity for the group. They were skiing in the Jolin mountain range, which is a mountain range of rocky peaks lining the Swedish border. This area of Norway is remote and Arctic, 100 miles away from any major hospital. How do they get there? I don't know. That's a good question. They just hoof it up? I don't know. I'm sure there's probably a road to some portion of this mountain range. Mm -hmm. Cool. Anna was an experienced skier, and it wasn't atypical for her to ski after work. As she and her friends made their way down the mountain, off track, off piste, right? There's a pissed. Oh, pissed. I can't get it right. <laughs> I'm pissed that I can't I just, get that word right. I'm so pissed. <laughs> Anna was skiing down a steep slope, a route she had traveled previously, when she unexpectedly lost control of her skis. She started to skid on the snow. Once she fell, she began sliding down the mountainside in the worst possible direction, towards an ice-covered stream at the base of a waterfall. She was sliding on her back. Oh, it is pieced. It's pieced? Oh, my gosh. I'm so right. So, anyway. Sorry. Pieced. <laughs> like a beast. Okay, we get it, Tessa. <laughs> so, she, again, oh, she was... I'm sorry. That's okay. So, she's sliding down the mountain on her back, and she went into an ice-covered stream at the base of a waterfall. She smashed right under the water's icy cover, head first into the icy water. Her head and torso were submerged, and the water began to fill up her clothing, which started to pull her body underneath the ice. Mm, don't like it. She became trapped under eight inches of ice. And when her friends made it to the place she finally landed, only her feet and skis were visible, and they started holding onto her feet so she wouldn't be completely sucked underneath. They, of course, made an attempt to pull her out by her feet, but it was quickly evident that this would not suffice. Seven minutes after she went under, they called search and rescue by mobile phone. And thankfully, they had service. I mean, it's crazy. The mountain where we ski doesn't even have service in the parking lot. I know. Get it together. <laughs> get it together, right? So, yeah, thank goodness for cell phone service. Anna was initially conscious, and she was able to find an air pocket under the surface, and this was a really good thing. Um, the water was extremely cold. She was able to stay conscious for 40 minutes before she experienced circulatory arrest, 
which essentially means that blood stops circulating as the heart is incapable of pumping. At this point, breathing stops and you lose consciousness. The most common cause of circulatory arrest is cardiac arrest when the muscle of the heart loses blood flow. The call was received by police lieutenant Bard Mickelson. He quickly organized two rescue teams, one that began on the top of the mountain and one below. Additionally, the Bode rescue team was contacted. This team had a Sea King helicopter, but initially they told Mickelson that they were unavailable transporting a sick child. But thankfully, Mickelson was unrelenting and was able to convince the dispatcher to turn around. The rescuers were on the scene about one and a half hours after the call went out. Initially, Kettle Singstad, top of the mountain rescuer, attempted to pull Anna out with the rope, which was unsuccessful. Next, they tried to dig her out, but the ice was very thick, and they were initially unable to break through. The bottom of the mountain rescuer showed up, and someone had a sharp-pointed shovel. And this was used to cut a hole in the ice. And finally, Anna was pulled from the water 80 minutes after she went under. The rescuer saw that Anna was not breathing. Her pupils were dilated, and her heart, her heart stopped beating. Her skin had a pale and waxy appearance. No good. Her friends, thankfully doctors, that were on the ski trip with Anna began CPR immediately. The yeah, helicopter they knew. They I wouldn't know. I'd be like, well, she's dead. <laughs> yeah, no pulse. The helicopter was able to pick her up shortly after she was rescued from the stream. And during transport, they continued with CPR. They ventilated her with oxygen. And they tried to get her heart pumping with a defibrillator, but there was no electrical activity from her heart. She's flatline. Upon arrival to the Tromso University Hospital, within an hour of her rescue, her core body temperature was the lowest ever recorded at 13.7 degrees Celsius or 56.7 degrees Fahrenheit. Her, star- her heart had stopped beating two hours before arrival. Core body temperature is normally 37 degrees Celsius. Anna's body temperature had reduced quickly while immersed in the icy water. Hypothermia sets in at 35 degrees Celsius, leading to shivering. Usually, by the time that someone's temperature reaches below 30 degrees Celsius, they lose consciousness, and cardiac arrest usually occurs at a core body temperature of 25 degrees Celsius or below. Usually, dying begins once there's cardiac arrest in a hyperthermic state, if there's not immediate medical attention. There's a well-known statement in medicine about treating patients that are hypothermic, and this one goes out to you, Ashley Westbrook, my lovely friend who I attended PA school with. You are not dead until you're warm and dead. It's actually a saying in the medical community. Wow. I think that's a good lesson for everyone, actually, because I wonder how many people have died because they're like, well, they don't have a pulse when they could have been resuscitated. Totally. (laughs) Totally. So just make sure that you wait till I'm warm before you pronounce me, okay? I hope you're not trying to one-up this gal with the core <laughs> body temperature thing. No, definitely not. Let's see if we can break that record of how cold my body is. <laughs> uh, so Mads Gilbert is an anesthesiologist and the head of emergency medicine at the hospital, and he understood that there was a chance that Anna could be resuscitated. In an article written by David Cox for The Guardian, Mads Gilbert stated that, quote, 
Over the last 28 years, there have been 34 victims of accidental hypothermia with cardiac arrest who were rewarmed on cardiopulmonary bypass and 30% survived, he said. The key question is, are you cooled before you have the cardiac arrest or are you first having circulatory arrest and then getting cooled? End quote. Everything in the body slows down under cold temperatures. This reduces oxygen demand of the body and the brain. Cooling the organs of the body and slowing metabolic demand of the cells keeps them from dying, which increases the window of time you have to save someone's life. Gilbert also said, quote, hypothermia is so fascinating because it's a double-edged sword. On the one side, it can protect you, but on the other side, it will kill you. But it's all a question of how controlled the hypothermia is. You just want just the right amount of hypothermia if you're going to get it. And in the right order. Anna was probably cooled quite slowly but efficiently so that when her heart stopped, her brain was already so cold that the oxygen needed in the brain cells was down to zero. Good CPR can provide 30 to 40% of the blood circulation to the brain, and in these cases, that is often sufficient to keep the person alive for sometimes seven hours while we try to restart the heart. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. The medical team took Anna to the operating room where they hooked her up to cardiopulmonary bypass to warm up her blood outside her body. There was a team of over 100 doctors and nurses working nine hours until she showed signs of life. Her potassium level was normal, which is an indicator of the extent of cell damage. So that was a really good sign, meaning that if your potassium is high, it can be a predictor of whether or not you're going to make it. Four and a half hours after the rescue, her first heartbeat was recorded. No one ever expected that they were actually going to be able to resuscitate her. Yeah, that would be the end result. She had poor lung function initially, and she was placed on a ventilator, which she was on for the next 35 days. That's a long time. Yeah. She regained consciousness on May 30th or somewhere in that range. So how many days in? 10 days. Okay. And she discovered that she was paralyzed but later regained use of her body. She was initially angry that she had been rescued by her friends because she had the prospect of being paralyzed. She stated, quote, I was very irritated when I realized they had saved me. I feared a meaningless life without any dignity. Now I am very happy to be alive and I want to apologize, end quote. Anna was having trouble with her kidney function and her digestive system. And she was, ended, she ended up in the ICU for 28 days. Later, was flown to Sweden for the remainder of her recovery, and she did later return to that hospital to finish her training. Some months later, the medical journal Pronto, published by Massachusetts General Hospital, stated that Begenholm's metabolism slowed to 10 percent of baseline, meaning she needed very little oxygen. This explains that despite over four hours of cardiac arrest she did not have any brain damage she's very lucky she's extremely lucky in an article by the lancet they summarize the story in stating quote in a victim of very deep accidental hypothermia nine hours of resuscitation and stabilization led to a good physical and mental recovery this potential outcome should be borne in mind for all such victims so the the impact of the story is twofold I mean, first of all, it led to an important understanding in the medical community, an understanding that there's always hope for victims of hypothermia, and never should we assume that it's too late for a victim of hypothermia 
before giving it a really good attempt at resuscitation. And secondly, it's led to some changes in medical treatments where medical teams intentionally induce hypothermia to potentially improve outcomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. In a study led by Gilbert, one of the ER physicians who care for Anna, um, he concluded that prior to 1999, no patient had ever survived being, quote, frozen to death, end quote, at the University Hospital of North Norway. Between 1999 and 2013, 9 of 24 patients had survived hypothermic cardiac arrest. This uh, research paper also stated that, quote, the clinical presentation of severe and profound accidental hypothermia is difficult to distinguish from clinical signs of death. The salvageable, accidentally hypothermic patient could present without a pulse, respiration, and consciousness, and with dilated non-reactive pupils and muscle rigidity. We have therefore advocated resuscitation and treating these patients aggressively, regardless of clinical presentation, risking over triage, end quote, which sums it up really well. The study also indicated that the risk of death increased with the combination of trauma and hypothermia. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to do with clotting factors sure. in the blood. And still probably like the timing of everything as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Therapeutic hypothermia has been used for victims of liver failure, epileptic seizures, and newborns who have suffered a lack of oxygen at birth, as well as uh, ischemic cardiac event. Mm -hmm. But not involved in uh, cryogenic freezing. (laughs) Cryogenic freezing? Yeah, you know, when people die and they want their bodies frozen just in case. yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So just pump a lot of oxygen into my body as I'm dead before you freeze me. This is the moral. Okay. And make sure my potassium is up. Okay, I'll do... No, you want your potassium to be down. Oh, put my potassium down, oxygen up. Okay. Thanks. So therapeutic hypothermia has proven to have brain protective or neuroprotective effects in cerebral ischemia which is reduced blood flow to the brain, which is the reason it's used for cardiac arrest patients and newborns that have had reduced oxygen at birth. It does not appear that therapeutic cooling is effective for other types of brain injury, unfortunately, such as stroke or traumatic brain injuries. Studies have not supported the use of therapeutic cooling in this group because the outcomes have been inconclusive. Well, they don't really understand a lot about the human brain to accurately put that into practice that's true but they definitely have there's been a lot of studies and a lot of attempts gilbert stated quote we have to be careful because hypothermia is also dangerous to the body it is upsetting the enzyme system the cellular membrane balance and the integrity of the cells and in trauma we know there's a linear relationship between the degree of hypothermia in the trauma patient and the mortality rate the clotting mechanisms are greatly influenced by hypothermia in a negative way Anna was able to survive for so long because she didn't have any trauma. She didn't have any bleeding anywhere. Yeah, she just went into some water. Yeah. She got super, super crazy lucky. In summary, Anna went on to become a radiologist in the hospital where the doctors and nurses fought to save her life. She still skis in the mountain range where her accident occurred. And this accident has led to a pivotal change in the way victims of hypothermia are treated and the uses of induced hypothermia. So Anna's ordeal was one that opened the minds of medical professionals and has and will continue to save many lives, I'm sure. How long ago was this again? 1999. Yeah. And 
she didn't have any lasting effects from this. No, she had some minor nerve damage. She would occasionally get tingling in her hands and feet. That's so crazy. I know. And my other thought is that when she slipped in, what if she wasn't wearing skis? Because that's like her skis were still on her feet. Mm -hmm. And if her skis had fallen off, maybe she would have just completely gone under there. And then maybe they wouldn't have been able, maybe they wouldn't have been able to find her. Yeah. Very interesting. I wonder what she remembers. I don't think that she remembered a lot. There was a YouTube video that I found that was a BBC clip about her story. And they interviewed her talking about what happened. But in terms of the yeah. aftermath, you know, I don't think she remembers anything from the point at which she went under the water. That's probably a blessing. But since they said 40 minutes of breathing in an air pocket, I don't think I want to remember that anyway. You would have to be so controlled to just not panic because mm-hmm. if she'd panicked in those first 40 minutes, it could have killed her. Mm-hmm. She would have needed more oxygen. You know, if you're in a state of panic, you're mm-hmm. breathing a lot more and, and probably thrashing around. And I don't know, it's a terrifying prospect. It seems like we've had a lot of stories about people being trapped <laughs> <laughs> in like very horrible places. Yeah. Well, it makes for a good survival story. Am I right or am I right? You're definitely <laughs> right. Well, thanks for sharing. Yes. Thank uh, thank you all. Thanks and thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks and thank you. I just thank you lost my train of thought. But that's all for today. And thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoy our podcast, please give a review on Apple Podcasts because hearing positive words keeps giving us the motivation to tell you guys these stories. And if you ski out of bounds, it's off piste and not off pissed. I'm glad that we were able to. I'm just so glad that we got that nailed down. Yeah, before we released it, that would have been embarrassing. Yeah. I'm just glad that I was right one for once. Yeah, for once in your life. At least I'm willing. I'm willing to better myself, okay? (laughs) Good. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Okay. Well, bye, guys. Bye, guys. Take care. Stay alive until next week already. Bye. 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 Bye.